Welcome to Career Crossroads Uncorked, a series of member chats inspired by good drinks and current talent acquisition trends. Your hosts, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin, break down today's recruiting headlines while reviewing a select beverage of choice with industry leaders and influencers. Join us for a drink in conversation. There we go. All right. So, Tara, welcome back to the show for the second time today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Recap, because I screwed it up. I'll take ownership. It's an Elizabeth Spencer cab. 2018 for me. Jerry, for you. Jerry, uh, so for me, uh, O'Shaughnessy, a Mount Veter grape and Howell Mountain grapes and um, equivalent or very similar to the Fontanella that um, our guest is having. All right. And Tara, for you, yep. <laughs> I guess. Uh, 2019 Mount Vidir, um cab from Fontanella, as Jerry had mentioned. Quite delicious. Yeah. And you have my word. This is absolutely my first class today. I haven't had anything. Alleged. Yeah. <laughs> it's my alleged word. That's right. I don't recall. Yeah. I don't recall. That's what I'm going to use. It seems to work in court for people this week. So it I'm does. just going to say I don't recall. So I'll, I'll offer in September when you go, if you have an interest, um, one of the, I know that you're, you probably will go to Fontanella so that you can, uh, have your friends experience uh, mm -hmm. a little bit of a wine tasting there. Um, I get, I get, uh, from two vineyards. One is Nickel and Nickel. Oh, very nice. Yep. And the other is oh, from. We all had a moment. We all had a moment just now, Jerry. <laughs> and, then, and then the other one is Antica. No. which is um uh, Antonori owns that and Antonor the Antonori family has been making wine since the 11th century in in um Italy. Okay. So so they are one of the oldest winemakers in the world. Uh they have one uh wine, um vineyard in Napa and and that's called Antica but it's a little bit further up whereas um Nickel and Nickel is right in Yonville. Yeah. And I mean, so never, if you have an interest in doing a wine tasting there, let me know. I, You know what? I, I seriously will take you up on that, Jerry, because if you were to ask me probably what my favorite cab is, I would tell you unequivocally it's Farniente, uh, which is also, you know, a part of the Nickel Nickel family. But I've never mm -hmm. been to Nickel Nickel, so I would love the opportunity. Farniente is is just delicious. I, I, I just got six bottles of it. <laughs> Rub it in. That's awesome. Thank I'm you. I'm just saying. Uh, but I didn't want to rub wine. it in. I didn't want to rub it in by opening one of those bottles. Jerry right doesn't now. order wine; it just shows up at his house. Right. <laughs> no, actually, the, the the craziness is New Jersey does not allow that, so mm -hmm. they are sent to my daughter, who fortunately only likes beer, does not like wine. So, so when I go to pick it up, all the bottles are still there. It's that crazy. sounds like a good setup to me. Yeah, we're not going to get any kind of trouble here, are we? Is that some sort of smuggling? It's not a thing, is it? No, no, no. It's legal. I have. I they they can go to a legitimate place address that in New York that's uh, allowed. They're allowed to to ship to, so it's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I um, I don't know why I have a soft spot for nickel and nickel, but I do. I, it it's is one of my delicious. favorites. It's not over the top a fancy wine. But it's it is a higher end wine. It's a higher end wine, but obviously there are there are many wines that most of us will never be able to afford to drink. 
you know, when you start getting seeing something like, uh, you know, one of these that it's like $2,000 a bottle, we're only going to see that if somebody in Las Vegas decides to, you know, to, to share a glass with us. You know, or there's a minimum we haven't met. And we, you know, <laughs> there's a minimum we haven't met. Or we just make need to make new friends. I'm kind of yeah. up for any of the above. There you go. I think, okay, so it's a contest as to who can find the bougiest friend <laughs> yes. uh, for wine by end of year. Game on. Game on. I'm very competitive. They don't have to be bougie. They just need to be willing to sponsor the bougie-ness. <laughs> right, exactly. Good. Okay. So, so what is keeping you up these days, Tara, as oh, far man. as work is concerned? Yeah. So we are, and I know we've in you know different environments talked about this before, and I won't go maybe too deep into it, but we're in the midst of this kind of three-year journey uh, at Roche with transformation. And it's just, it's a, it's a significant overhaul, you know, whereas we used to be structured within all of people and culture. So this isn't just a, a TA topic. We used to be structured really by affiliate or location across the globe. I mean, you know, hundreds of them. And now we're really trying to really kind of work as a network across borders, uh, geographies, as well as affiliates. That means pharmaceutical and diagnostic, which are both in our family. And that's just, that's a very significant change. Uh, you're talking about consolidating, you know, technologies that were used, trying to have harmonized global processes. There's some complexities, obviously, with country nuances, the legalities that exist, even just in the States alone, as we're aware, uh, really complex. So it's been a lot. And you mix that in with significant growth and change within our company and just this market, which I haven't seen in the 20 years I've been in TA. You know, it's like it's a perfect storm of craziness. So it's it keeps me up only because I'm I'm a person like many of us that just you want everything to go swimmingly well. And, you, you know, you have a high sense of accountability and there's just there's a lot going on. And our team has grown by a lot, a lot, a lot um, just because of the growth. So you know, in general, there's just a lot that happens when you're trying to build a new culture and then add new people to the culture. And so it's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a part of the journey. So it's good. I don't mind losing the sleep right now, but it's definitely something that um, weighs heavy because it's a, it's a big responsibility. It's exciting when you can embrace, you know, the uncertainty, yeah. the change, you know, all as kind of a challenge for, you know, how you grow and, and develop and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's a fabulous time right now. I can't imagine um, a time that I've been in when I haven't seen so much opportunity, yeah. really, for for moving the needle a little bit. Completely agree. I, I oh. oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I can't remember. You know, we talk about um, recruiting is in cycles. We do this thing. Right, where the how much how much talent we need, how much talent we don't need, the kind of talent we need, and while it's always changing, it seems to be we're always stuck in these these cycles that are almost almost predictable. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen a cycle last quite this long. Mm -hmm. And whether it's you know the, the pandemic has launched this, or you know laws and regulations, or technology, or you know all of these different things that come into play, I just keep finding myself wondering like how much longer. Uh, do we see, the, see this craziness with with the talent space? Yeah. Like, how, how much longer are we struggling to? to uh, we're hiring four times to plan, or like, are we suddenly going to be downsizing at the end of the year where we have to let go of half of the recruiters we just fought to win back because we laid off all of the recruiters? Like, mm -hmm. I just wonder, like, how much how much longer does this go for? 
It's a great question. And it's one of those, if I think anyone had the answer, then they'd be really filthy rich and buying that $2,000 bottle of wine. Um, can't, can't Josh Burson just publish a report and tell us? <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? Because I had this conversation recently uh, with my daughter who's like, man, you're always busy. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But what I was trying to also impress upon her just to, you know, you kind of get to know your kids all along the way. She's going to be 16 crazy uh, here in a couple months. Mm. And, you know, what I shared is each person is different. Like if, um, you know, there are people that really enjoy, I like stability. I like things that are just kind of operationally going really well. I think I'd be bored out of my mind. I just, that's not how I'm built. I'm a kind of a person who likes to dig in and roll up the sleeves and kind of fix things or retool. So yeah, I think I'm probably living my best life. Because I'm definitely You're in your happy challenge, space right now with the kids. I know. Well, I'm for punishment maybe, but it's okay. That's a, you happy. know, that's a, a really, really good point. I think I think those folks who kind of embrace that change mm -hmm. and kind of look forward to the the differences that, that every day brings are are in an extraordinary place where they're they're happy place, if you will. And the and the folks that that really are risk averse and and struggle with you know I want something that's stable that's the same every day at least for a few days <laughs> are are a little bit more stressed out yeah and and we have to figure out among our employees employee populations mm -hmm. you know who who is in what side of that. And whether or not we can create an environment that is conducive for those that need more stability, and then challenge those who can okay. who can be more agile, yeah. if you will, because we know that the agility is really what's going to su succeed or help us succeed in our in, you know in, for employers for the future. But we still need those folks who come to work every day, do the same job every day happy to do it, want to get paid, want to go home and not be thought, you know, not be stressed out. Yeah. And and that's that's going to be an interesting challenge, I think, for the future. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. And, and it also means for recruiting that we have to think about some of those um, demographics, if you will, that are relevant to yeah. the job in terms of how people are capable of of handling um, a, a stable or an unstable, uncertain environment. That's a good point, Jerry. And I, the other part too is I think even those that really enjoy it, um, there's there's still going to be change fatigue. I, I mean, it can, there can still be too much. So there is, I think there's a balance between what that breaking point is and when it's just you know it's gone too far and you got to peel it back. But for those people. I put the onus on each of us to be accountable for that. Agreed. It's if you're if you're comfortable with the agility and the change and the whatever, and and for several weeks you're working, you know, 80 hours a week, or you're on call seven, you know, days a week and all that kind of stuff. It's also on you to be able to say, yeah, enough. I'm taking a break. Give me, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? Well um, I, I think, I think we have to be accountable for looking into the future and saying, this is, this is what makes me happy. And I can, I can have a boss who gets me and, and is going to support me when I need that break. Yeah. 
So I'm <clears throat> so I'm going to pitch something a little bit uh, uncomfortable, maybe or controversial. Uh, but a year ago, six months to a year ago, we were asking people how they were, and our leaders. We were even having these conversations with our leaders. We were saying, you know, you're saying how are you? You unload for a little bit, and then you say, no, but really, how are you? Right? And it was that kind of mental wellness checking on you, making sure you're okay. What I have noticed in the last two months is as we continue to have these conversations with the leaders, and I just had one right before we jumped on here, it's not, um, it's not as intense an answer when they respond to how they're doing. It's almost like we're getting acclimated to this chaos. And I'm just wondering, Terry, are you seeing the same thing either with your colleagues or with your folks when you talk to them because that they are they're either getting used to it or they're getting out? I mean, is there is there some level normalization that's starting to happen with this level of stress? It's interesting you say that because I, I was wondering the same thing. And it, part of it was tied also just to kind of taking a look at uh, turnover. Except sometimes that would be obviously an indicator of that. And, yep. um, you know, we as an organization haven't seen really the um, been fortunate, I guess, to maybe not see the great resignation that's occurring. Uh, and our turnover has actually been lower uh, in most instances. So Good for you. that being said, you still have turnover. And so like, but I've watched it in some areas decline. And so I, I think you're exactly spot on. I personally think people are getting better at determining, look, this craziness is still going to be here tomorrow. So I know my, <laughs> my cutoff point is to be able to be like, I'm going to walk away and come back at it tomorrow, next day, whatever the case may be. Before, I think people were afraid to shut things down. They were trying to navigate a work from home situation and there's just more normalcy in that now. So they've navigated it well. And the other thing is, I think the prioritization. So a great analogy was used that, look, we got a lot of balls in the air. Um, some of those balls are glass and some of those are rubber and they're going to bounce. And I think they're understanding which ones are. I got to take care of these glass balls because that'll be really detrimental when they fall. And OK, I got those covered. Now I'm walking away and I'll pick the, the other ones up tomorrow. Well, that, and that is a self-accountability topic. And I think people are doing it better. I, I got to think about that analogy. I, <laughs> I kind of love it. I, I really am going to think about that. That's 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 worth a podcast somewhere. <laughs> what are the glass, last ball, glass balls and rubber balls in the air. Mm. That's breaking balls and balls that bounce. <laughs> be a... Maybe you do that before all the drinks come, because then you never know where that. I, comes. <laughs> this, is, this has some potential for sure. That's yeah. great, Tara. You, yeah, you really I, you could do a couple presentations on that one alone for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do think it's interesting. You make a really good point of what we had when you become a leader and as you ascend right in your career, you do figure out you know what what is urgent and what can just wait, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know when you're younger, I think at least for most of us, we felt like everything must get done, everything must get finished. What if I don't? What if I don't? What if I don't? And you get better about that, but then it's almost like you know, the, the recruiting gods or the staffing gods cranked that stress knob all the way to the right for a while. Mm -hmm. And we started freaking out again. And then now we have figured out oh, this is the same shit. It's just more of it. Mm -hmm. So some, some of this is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I'll say something controversial back because I think that sometimes we as a function, I'm going to make a broad statement we're too available. So we're so service oriented that we're always there and we're always on. And that's part of it. Um, mm. You know, pausing and just being like, you know, oh, here, I'll give you a perfect example. I got a 
I did get a call not too terribly long ago. I've been trying to get a hold of someone for like the last two hours. They're just not answering. Is everything okay? And I'm thinking, two hours? I'm pretty sure everything's okay. I'm not sure why you're calling me. I mean, again, I think, but that's not the normal thing. It's normal. I'm going to respond in five minutes. And so it's just, it's causing a lot of reaction. But I think we need to do that more because then what happens is there's people that are figuring things out. And that's important. That's an important skill people have to learn how to do instead of reliance on others. So I, I don't know. I've kind of seen that uh, shifting a little bit recently too, which I think is a really, really good thing. Hmm. That's a good call out. Yeah. Well, and there's a shift too of like, you can't just come knocking on my door in the office. Well, true. Poke your head in. Yeah. <laughs> you can hide. Yeah. <laughs> Catch yeah. up on all my Netflix while I'm working. <laughs> all right. Well, I haven't done that yet, but maybe. I'm always apologizing to people who try to reach me on Mondays. And I tell them, I'm retired on Mondays. I, I, I'm not available. Just not available. You cannot find me. This is true. Jerry has a very busy schedule on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it does. I'm not being funny. He really, really does. Like, I'm not walk us through Monday. Monday. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully engaged with my grandkids, my cousins, a uh, little bit of poker, a little bit of golf, whatever. But, but you know, Mondays are, are mine, and I turn everything off if Good I can. You. You know, and you. that's probably 35 days out of the year uh, from that perspective. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I do think we need to figure out how to control those things that help to ground us, you know, so that we can deal with all this bullshit yeah. <laughs> on the other days that we uh, we can't we can't control everything that goes on. I agree. Do you want to know a secret? Okay, so when I was in Greece, I had heard about the a place and I didn't end up going there, but it, it, it's a place like just imagine it's just filled with plates and a brick wall and you just chuck them. Like imagine the stress relief of just like breaking crap. Um, how like we should have that? We should maybe they are, and I just didn't. I don't know where they're at, but like I think there's a secret oh. to the release. And yours may be golf and playing with your grandkids, which is awesome. But man, I think like doing some damage to some dishes. Did, I think um, I need that in my future. I like that. You did, could. Did, you, there's yeah, a there there's, a, there's <laughs> a whole new business in there. No way, there is a. You know place. those you know those places where you <laughs> can like go and you can chuck it an axe. At a wall oh, yes. kind of thing. That's fine. That, yeah. that could be part of a broader empire in which you go into another room and you just fling plates or throw glasses or something. You know, there there is a place uh, I saw when I so I lived in California for a couple of years. There is a place out there somewhere that I saw advertised where you could go in and beat on a car. So they bring in a junker. And right. you put on some safety equipment and you get a bat or a crowbar, whatever you want. And you can smash the windows. You can dent the doors. You can, I mean, you get to tear that car apart. You pay an hourly, whatever. And I always thought that might be kind of cool. That would be so cool. Oh, yeah. so there's My, a like, I do the thing with the bat and it comes back. Well, then, yeah. But I can see a whole alternative Disneyland oh my God. <laughs> for this. That might be the new Disneyland pretty soon. It could be the new Disneyland. <laughs> all all these stress release rides and whatever that yeah, that you get to go to. Oh, sounds glorious. That's right. When Disney when Disney moves to Texas, that's what they'll do with all that property. They'll, they'll just 
You can. There's a lot of investment it. money out there. Maybe we should be proposing to investment. You know, a hundred million dollars will build one of these kinds of things for them. You got it. Love it. Huh. <laughs> no, my phone's not ringing yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> Is Greystone listening? I don't know. Not not there yet. We're 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 okay. Essentially. Essentially. Oh, so you did say, I can't remember, Tara. I know you did. I think it was before I hit the go button. Yeah. But you did say you've got a trip that you're planning yes. uh, to, to a vineyard, to winery, yes. right? To go check that out. Is it a part? Is it part of a longer tour? Or are you going just one spot, hanging out with your dear TA friends and then moving on? Or how's it, so how, do you have a big plan? It's interesting you ask because for a couple of people that are going who you know, um, you would know that we're very much planners. So one, we have the date, we've had the place booked for like a year and there will be a color coded spreadsheet. There will be times, there will be reservations. We already have driver booked. Matching um, shirts, maybe matching t-shirts. I don't know if it will go that far, but I like where your head's at. So we will consider all things. So we will, to your point, I think Jerry was one who had asked, I mean, like, we'll go to Fontanella. There are other memberships that folks are, um, you know, up, when uh, ugh, can't even talk too much already um wineries that they're members of so certainly we'll look to hit those and then some new ones that's it's funny i think when i was younger and i would go to napa i had a really kind of maybe a negative view on getting a driver because i thought oh they're thinking those yeah. kids running yeah. around it's really not the case they really mm -hmm. open you up to some really great places that you didn't know existed oh yeah and that's how i got to know fontanella actually was plus uh, they reduce like, your your likelihood of getting stopped after the third or fourth winery and and the and and the um if you are found to be inebriated mm -hmm. as a driver it's a ten thousand dollar fine in napa yeah it's just so, not worth it it's not just not worth it, it. Not worth I, mean, it. I think you're a hundred percent though Tara, because we um when we were in um Monterey for a period of time. So my partner and I, she and I rented a place for I think four or five months in Carmel. Wonderful, wonderful area to just stay for a while. We did a wine tour in the Monterey area. We didn't, we didn't go all the way up to Napa for that. We just kind of stayed local. And the tour guide like peeled us off to this place we would have never picked or never heard of. And it's right. called Odonata. Uh, and the, I, you know, the driver stops, we all, you know, we're getting off and up rolls the guy that's been working in the field and he's got a little pitchfork or what shovel, whatever it was. And he's been out in the field working and he's filthy. And he says, Hey, glad you guys are here. Just pick anywhere you want to sit, whatever. And it's this 30 something. He owns it. It is his, it is his wine. Like, and, and it is probably one of my favorite wines. Uh, we're a member, we get a whole bunch of it, but it is just like, you, I would have never found it. And he had this beautiful story and the sommelier that came out and was doing the, the wine tasting was, was really engaging and a lot of fun. And I mean, we just really enjoyed it. I would have never found it. Had we not just gotten a driver and said, take us. That's the thing. I, yeah. It's, and in fact, they told us, they're like, we appreciate your list, but we're going to make you a different recommendation. I'm like, but yeah. I accept that proposal. And now all of a sudden it was like just a fantastic mm -hmm. time. And the other thing that it did is, um, you know, they, they're connected. They know these people cause they're in the industry. So we got, yeah barrel tastings we wouldn't have had tasting of wines that aren't on the normal you know shelf for people so it was like a really cool experience and it's just one that i want to keep repeating so i i think it's just really super smart and i'm a 
I'm a super huge foodie. I am, yeah, literally super huge foodie. So I'm really excited um, at attempting to get into French laundry. So wish me luck, please. Have you, so do you know the rules? I have eaten at French laundry. I know the rules, but if there is there, if there's some particular trick to it. So I think (laughs) there is, I'll I'll tell you what I, what I attempted and what worked for me. So, so we went, we were going to go to Napa with another couple and we had all this stuff done and, and, and uh, the other couple basically said, let's try to get into French laundry. So I looked it up and at the time I, so I don't know what the rules are now, but at the time, you had to call 90 days in advance. Uh-huh. And, you know, at starting at 7 a.m. in the morning or some silly stuff like that. And I, I'm going, oh, no, I can't. I, I, I'm, I, First of all, I stumble when I try to do that. And other people are very good at that sort of thing. So I called. I have a concierge card, you know, credit card, uh-huh. one of those more expensive credit cards. Yeah. And I called the, the the group on the back and I said, by the way, do you do this kind of thing? And they said, oh, of course we do. We'll call on your behalf and set up a, a, a you know, interview. I mean, dinner for you. So 90 days in advance, the next day they called me back and they said, eh, we didn't get in. We, we got you on a waiting list. Okay. Five days before we went to Napa, I got a call. Uh, Mr. Crispin, you were interested in the laundry. I'm in the laundry. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. Where are we, they calling you from? <laughs> they're, they're calling me from the laundry. And, you're and you're I'm interested going, in the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm Italian. What do you want? So, so they go, <laughs> Mr. Crispin, here's the deal. <laughs> Now they're even more Italian. Yeah. And they have cannolis. No, you have to be between, between the lines. So is it here's the deal. He said, There are, you want you want a table for four. You can have four. You can't have less than four. You can't have more than four. Is that okay? So I much said, math. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that's fine. I said, we have you, we we have a time for you to come. It's five. 10. Can you come at that time? I said, yes. He said, okay. And finally, you need to give us 50% (laughs) of, of, you know, the cost now. And, and there's no, (laughs) you don't get it back if you don't show up. Yeah. And, and I said, fine, here's my credit card. So as it turns out, we we went to the laundry. We had an extraordinary time, really. Second most expensive meal I've ever had. Um, however, if that's not a teaser, I know yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I the 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 person who was the waiter, if you will, was extraordinary. I mean, really, just world class. And and I I told him this story. And he said, oh, yeah, he says, when we when we have a cancellation, he said, we don't go to the next person or the most recent person or the 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 not so recent person on the list. 
we go to the person who has a concierge card. Okay. Because we know they can afford it. Oh. Hmm. Okay. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. And so that's the only suggestion I have is that the card that you may have mm -hmm. might in fact be helpful in terms of moving you up the list if you get on the wait list. All right. Well, don't think that I'm not calling as soon as this is over to double check that situation because I yes, would you should. I, I think it's I I do think the laundry is well worth the experience. And at the end of it, they invited us to if we wanted to uh, stand for a few minutes in the kitchen itself. Oh, nice. And so for like 15, 20 minutes, we literally watched how, how they plated, uh, you know, and, and dealt with uh, the people that were there. Um, and I, I was just fascinated by that whole thing. And I'm going, they've got an awful lot of, of uh, young Seuss, you know, people and all this other stuff. He says, no, no, they are top chefs in other restaurants who, who for no money come here and work for a month so they can learn this system. Wow. I, I once got to stand in the kitchen at like at the Buca de Peppa uh, restaurant. <laughs> they had a table in there and it was amazing to yeah. watch. I mean, the bus people would put things on our play like on our on our table while they balanced it to clear the dishes and it's we had a we had a 10 10 course meal with wine um it was extraordinary and and by the way the the time that you are given is the only time anyone is given to come at that particular time so when you show up at the door they greet you by name they treat you as if you're the only person who's going to be there. They bring you to a table in a darkened room where the light is perfect over your table, but you can't see shit anywhere around you. And and so so you have no idea whether or not there's anybody else in this entire restaurant. Hmm. That's fascinating. I, I find their approach unbelievable i, I mm. wouldn't necessarily do it over and over again because it's way too expensive but mm -hmm. but it still is extraordinary is it tara is it your bucket list dinner place to go is it on your list oh and it, it totally is if, if you look at my bucket list items they're probably all around food i finally got to alinea last fall and had just an, a fantastic experience there oh so gosh. yes french laundry okay. is on so my i'll list. tell you one thing uh, one last thing relative to that is um, I have a fantasy to go back to the laundry, but there is one table that doesn't meet all, that does not uh, impact all those rules. They have an outside table for 10 people. Mm -hmm. And you can call anytime and try to arrange that. Oh, okay. But you're talking about 10, 10 people. people. So my my fantasy my fantasy is that we we arrange for that table and then call people who are willing to fly in for yeah. that experience. Yeah. Cuz I think we can get I th I I certainly think I know enough people that I could call up and say, "Oh, so I've got this date, but you're going to have to fly in 
and get there, are you willing? Are you willing to pay a piece of the action for a ten-person table at the laundry? Cherry, I have an idea. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I want to know if she wants to be on the list. I want on the list. <laughs> I, I have an idea. Yeah. So Jerry and I are going to go to this little camp out in August, the last week of August. Yes. And and following that little shindig, very intimate little thing we're going to go to. Yeah. Uh, Seventy thousand other people. I was going to say, I'm sure I know what you're talking about. There's yeah, pretty no man. Yep. <laughs> We will be relatively in that area. Jerry will be celebrating his 75th birthday. Aww. I will be celebrating my 50th. Oh. So it seems to me that just a little side trip, I'm not a mathematician, but a little side trip might be able to take us over for a nice meal after we've been camping for a week. I mean, really, and Jerry's got the card, so clearly he has the connections. I could the concierge I card. Go call. for that. I haven't done my my uh, my my uh, flights yet, for <laughs> but I like that. I really like that idea, Chris. Thought you uh -huh. might. Yeah, well, right. you're the one with the concierge card. <laughs> well, I I I'm, I'm making a note right now to look into this. <laughs> I could legit, like, I think this is my second life. Like, when I'm finally done, like, okay, TA, I've washed my hands. Like, I have no doubt my second rebirth career is something related to food. So, I, I mean, I, I know you probably don't want to talk all day about this, but the last thing I will tell you is my next addiction beyond French laundry is getting in the lost kitchen in Maine. I do not know if you know the story. I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. All right, let me let me take it down pretty quick to you. Yeah. It's some somebody. Her name is Erin French. One, she has a book um, that is just her story, and it's fantastic. And she started a, a, a kind of an idea. I want, I want to serve people, and she would just call friends, like come over, and you can leave a donation if you feel like it. And it turned into having opened a business, so she opened her first lost kitchen, went through like a really bad divorce, and the kitchen closed down. Fast forward to like she got an Airstream, then she would just go farm to farm in in Maine and host these wonderful dinners. And now she has a mill. And here's the deal. Here's how you get a, a reservation there. Mm -hmm. She opens up um, receiving postcards in April. You have to get a special code to put on the postcard and you send it in and they take basically three weeks to pull cards. They call you and it's like, make a reservation. You're flying to Maine for dinner. And within three weeks, they are done booked for the season. And it's in the middle. Of, it's called Freedom Maine. And she even has, funny enough, after I found out all this, she also has a show on Magnolia Network, I think is what it was. But you can also then kind of see it. And you watch and you just salivate. And you're like, I've got to be here. Like she just makes up new menus every day based on what's wow. fresh that the farmers are, you know, have available. It is the ultimate farm to table experience and like the hardest reservation to get. U.S. Wow, fantastic! Like it's luck of the draw. She's putting everyone on on a even playing ground to be able to be pulled from this system, and that's what they've been doing for the last few years. Put me on that list. <laughs> Darn right. Darn, like I look every day. I clearly didn't make the cut this year. Okay, but so then I'll try again next year because they they start in April and they're usually done by the. Where, well, let the us let us know when you're trying that next year because we could try too. 
if more than one of us gets, you know, if one of us gets in, we all go. We we just we just you know commit that you know we you're on the list you know whatever. What if we start a lottery within the talent acquisition space, and we submit hundreds of these postcards, and then no matter what, the three of us get to go. As long as I was like, as long as we get to go, because it's like they take up those extra spots. That's I know it's our idea. It's, well, think about it, Terry. If you if you got it and you you were able to set set it up, it's it's still going to be you know not everyone is going to be able to go. Right. That you know they they just from a timing point of view, from a cost point of view, whatever, mm-hmm. it's just not going to be easy for everyone to go. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could probably figure out some way that we should be able to do something like that. I love that idea. I think yeah. that's fabulous. This and I like love Maine, take two. Like we're 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 gonna we got a we got a situation going on here. I love where we're heading. We do it. I will so I'll tell you this. We we can end on this little fun tidbit. Mi- mystery, I'm not gonna say who it is. If you know who it is, great, because I don't think they've done it yet. Uh, but we do have a person in our space that's that is working on starting uh, and launching a foodie YouTube channel. Oh, Jerry, you know who this is? I do. You do. You do. Well, you know the person. You know the person. I'd be I know surprised. that, I know that we do. We we do stuff every you know month on. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Uh, she and one other person have an incredible passion around shining a light on female-owned wineries and distilleries. Oh God! We're Don't talking say. About... Never. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know if she's, I don't want to, you know, spoil that, but I, I think, I don't know what kind of launch she's getting ready to do, but I know that she has mentioned it a few times when we've sat down to talk that they're getting like a foodie program. And I think we could talk her into visiting our cities and we could all pick our favorite place. She could come foodie eyes oh. restaurants in our locations. I love that idea. That is- I have, I have the Airstream to go to each of the cities. Oh, I like how we, Tara, we're like, she could come to our city. And Jerry's like, well, I'll just go to all the cities. <laughs> of course. Of course. I have, you know, I, I'm at the end of my career. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of enjoying the, you know, the luxury of being able to do a little bit more than what Chris can do. Because he actually still has to work. This, this is unfortunately like a yeah, sad trombone. This is this is unfortunately very true. Yeah. So before we go though, Jerry has to answer. So you know he left us dangling with this situation. What was the most expensive dinner experience you had? I'm curious. Okay. Um, I will say that I, and I do have a, I don't have. I don't think I can show it to you right now because it's probably packed away. Um, but when I went to Italy with the same couple, by the way, that I went to the laundry with, we um, we stayed outside of Siena in a tenuta, a, a, a farm area, and uh, used that as the command post to go to several different places. Um, and this was about 15 years ago. 
and uh, and at some point we were looking at uh, doing a, um, a really nice dinner. And in Tuscany, we found a place on a, in a, uh, a beautiful, just a beautiful Italian um, town overlooking a valley and in the distance was um, one of the major wineries or wine places. Um, it was a mill that had been converted, a very flamboyant uh, restaurateur, a female, and we we decided to have lunch there. And we, um, the four of us, my wife, myself, and the other couple, uh, went into this place. There was no one else in this place, uh, this restaurant. It was the view the there was a whole side of the hill that i mean this um side of the mill that was all glass and you you see the most beautiful view of the valley in front of you and the mountain behind you and that kind of stuff they had they had airbnb type things and uh they were doing a lot of their own growth and stuff so on and um and then the waiter came out and it was one of these Adonis type um, Italian young men who was very articulate, but extraordinarily handsome. And I think my wife and my friend's wife looked at him and said, oh, my God, you know, that kind of thing. It was like, ah. and and he was describing in in amazing you know, ways, the the kind of food that we could have over the course of this lunch. We were there for four and a half hours. <laughs> because we of the had, food. We had not only a 10-course <laughs> meal, but we had a signed um, uh, uh, cookbook from the, the, the whole thing. When we left, the entire staff... 15 people came out and gave us, you know, a standing ovation and clapped as we, as we walked out to our car, a totally yeah. smashed, yeah. by the way. So many questions. <laughs> yeah, last podcast it, was, it was significantly, significantly more <laughs> in terms of cost uh, to, to the laundry. It was significantly more. It was, it was the most expensive meal I've ever had. It was for lunch and it lasted the entire, you know, afternoon, et cetera. I will tell you that going back to where we were staying in my car, we drove over another hill and I missed uh, the exit. And so we, it was raining hard and, and I kept on going and thinking that, you know, I'm going in the right direction. And suddenly the, 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 the road narrowed carefully this way, you know, just a little bit more inches every, every foot. And I stopped and there was, there was no more than one inch on either side of my car left. 
we had to climb out of the window above us so that we could so that we could we could explain to me how to back up without destroying this this car it was it was really an extraordinary day i will i will tell you i have that's the short story i have questions jerry so yeah when you go and eat at the chippendale cafe (laughs) who signs the cookbook is it the chef or the stripper the the chef signed this book i will you know one of these days i'll show you the, the 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 cookbook it was very fabulous wonderful cookbook the food the you know everything was extraordinary but certainly the view was amazing depending on who you were and then my, my final question for it is when you got the standing ovation is it because everyone ate everything on their plate or is it because something else happened that you haven't shared like, no. like nobody else had ever actually. No, they they, they were. That's right. They thought we were the most extraordinary customers. I'm sure that they'd had at least in that day. What a, what a blessed life! I mean, I just awesome. if, if I get awesome. reincarnated, I have to come back at Jerry at any at any stage of his life. Agreed. Agreed. Hmm. Thank you you for sharing that. That was cool. Probably will never get there, but good to know just in case I ever. Yeah, if you go to Italy, believe me, I I would be happy from a foodie point of view, you would would find this extraordinary. Most certainly. Well, Tara, thank thank you so much for joining us. And for I am, I have one glass left in my bottle of wine. So I'm excited about that. So we we appreciate all your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a good time. Tara, it's great. Love it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers. I need a refill. Cheers to you, Tara. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for another episode of Career Crossroads Uncorked. Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin look forward to sharing more drinks and conversation with you next time. Until then, cheers. Cheers.